Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorinda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorinda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. Um, let's see, what else have I written? Let me think. <laughs> Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional that I wrote specifically for homeschool moms, and The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life. And if you enjoyed The Unhurried Homeschooler, you will enjoy um, The Four-Hour School Day as well. Even though the title sounds different, it's like an expanded version of The Unhurried Homeschooler. So I encourage you to check all three of those books out. You can find them on Amazon. You can find them at DorendaWilson.com. And you can find the four-hour school day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the two places that I mentioned. Now, most of you know, if you've been listening for a while, that my favorite homeschooling magazine is Homeschooling Today. And I would love for you to listen in for just a little bit more detail about that particular magazine. When it comes to homeschooling, isn't it discouraging to see so much on social media that simply doesn't match your reality? Life is messy. Kids can be exhausting. School doesn't always go as planned. Sometimes we all need some real encouragement, some real, truly practical help. That's one of the reasons I write for Homeschooling Today magazine. The entire team at Homeschooling Today wants you to know that messy, exhausting, imperfect homeschooling is an incredibly beautiful thing because it's real life as we take an unhurried, bold approach to homeschooling our kids. An approach that says, I won't compare my homeschool to others. I'll teach the kids God has given me in the way that He leads me to do it. I want to encourage you to check out Homeschooling Today magazine. It is an amazing resource for the unhurried homeschooling mom. All right, mom. So today we're going to be talking about taking a simple, unhurried approach to science in the elementary years. Uh, sometimes I get uh, questions from moms and they've got a kindergartner or even a preschooler and they'll say, what science curriculum should I use? <laughs> and so, you know, there's an approach that our family took that I'm going to share in just a minute. But my first word to that mom would be take a breath and just uh, relax. And uh, for starters, just enjoy your little kindergartner or preschooler because, oh my goodness, as we're going to talk about today, kids have so many interests at different times. And often their interests are science related. We just don't necessarily put a label on it. So um, I think that it is possible to take a simple unhurried approach to science in, uh, in the elementary years, um, because I believe that science in the elementary years is more about exposure than mastery. Because seriously, how much science do you actually remember from elementary school? It's only going to be the things that you were really interested in. So for our family, I chose to let science be interest-led from kindergarten to eighth grade. And then when they got into high school, we did something more structured because I felt like developmentally, they were actually ready to really grasp the bigger, fuller picture of science and how it relates to our creator and um, just all the wonderful aspects of science and be able to connect all of those dots. 
I think sometimes as homeschooling moms, we think we have to assign every little thing. But I think as much as possible, especially in the early years, if we can just create an environment where learning happens easily and naturally, our kids learn a ton. At least I found this to be true with my kids. I would leave good books, including science-related books, laying around for the kids to pick up when they were bored or during quiet time. They watched documentaries and things like The Magic School Bus and Kratz Creatures. And this would often lead to investigation and experimentation on their own. And we had lots of conversations, so I knew when something science-related was piquing their interest. And I could ask them more questions and help them find more related resources like books and videos and all that. The thing I had to be careful of was not to overwhelm them with resources because you want to keep that little flame of interest burning as long as possible. And of course, there was always the occasional field trip to a petting zoo or a museum, but really we just did things as they came naturally and worked from whatever season our family was in. And so what that meant, because we had a big family and we were home a lot, that meant a lot of science happened in the backyard. (laughs) Things like digging in the dirt and finding bugs and worms and finding out what they were and looking them up in in books. And now, of course, you've got YouTube, which is fantastic. Um, We just have so many resources at our fingertips. But again, we don't want to over-resource our kids because we want that interest to keep um, to keep to keep going as long as possible. But all of this made our homeschooling experience so much less stressful because we were only doing science-related things as there was an interest. And when there was an interest, we could dive in and take it as far as the kids wanted to take it. I think that's really important for moms, uh, for you to understand. Uh, So much of homeschooling should be a natural and enjoyable journey. That simply means that we have to prioritize and we have to learn to let go. So I am really excited today because I have my good friend, Sherry Seligson with us. Um, We're gonna be talking about, like I said before, taking a more simple, unhurried approach to science in the elementary years. And in the next podcast, we're gonna be talking about taking a simple, unhurried approach to science in the high school years. So I love having Sherry on the podcast because she has such a passion for motherhood and homeschooling, but also for science. In fact, she has written several science curriculums. So I wanted to bring a professional to the table for y'all to listen to because she's got some great things to share. But before I have her um, start doing that, um, I want to, I would like you to listen in as I share a little bit more about Sherry. I always like to know a little bit more about the guest. Give me a little background on the guest. So here's a little background on Sherry. Sherry is a 21-year veteran homeschooling mom of four children. She is a wife to husband, Dave, and she is a Christian. She is also a marine biologist with a pre-med bachelor and master of education degrees. Before being promoted to motherhood, Sherry worked as a marine biologist at Walt Disney's uh, Walt Disney World's Living Seas, publishing shark behavior research. She has authored Apologia's Exploring Creation with General Science, Marine Biology, and Internships for High School Credit, instructional video courses for Apologia's science curricula and a co- and companion curricula for feature films, including Dolphin Tail and Warhorse. 
an international conference and retreat speaker, Sherry uses transparency, truth, and humor to encourage moms on their homeschool journey and teach families and students the importance and excitement of studying God's creation. Sherry, welcome. I'm so glad you're here today. Hi, Dorinda. It's good being here. Well, let's dive in because I'm sure that moms are are listening in and thinking, how in the world does this even work? So I would like you to start by sharing a bit more about your background in science and why you believe that parents can actually take a simple, unhurried approach to science during these years. Well, um, so my background, you gave a little bit of that. And I was a, I was a young um, Christian in college and I was at a secular school and was reading my Bible for the first time. I was reading Darwin's Origin of Species, which is man's ideas of how we came to be here without a God. And it started me on my apologetic journey because I knew God's word was true. And the more I started seeing flaws with evolutionary theory, um, the more convinced I was that we as believers do not have to be afraid of studying our world. In fact, God designed us that way. We know that our children love exploring. They're wired to explore, to be explorers and observers. And, you know, we talk about taking a walk with a three-year-old and it takes five times longer than it normally would because <laughs> they have to stop and explore every leaf and every caterpillar. And um, they're they're wired to observe their world. And And honestly, God has revealed himself that way. He's given us his specific revelation in his word and his general revelation in his creation. Creation gives mm-hmm. testimony to God and we see evidence of his power, his order, his majesty. And I love when, when children grasp that. It, it's, it's so beautiful. And many people struggle, particularly in the upper grades, with how to reconcile what the world is telling us about how we came to be here without a God. Our, our children can struggle with that if we don't have these conversations with them as we go about our days. And, um, Sadly, we don't hear a lot in our churches about how to give an answer. So we're seeing an Mm -hmm. epidemic of students leaving the faith in their college and career years. And we should Mm -hmm. not be afraid of this amazing subject because God is the creator of his glorious creation. And we can see his fingerprints from atomic structures to complex bacteria to the organized physics principles in the universe. And um, Mm. so we can definitely um, enjoy Science, and I know some people are afraid of science and it terrifies them. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to encourage moms as we talk today that you do not have to be a you know quantum physicist to teach mm-hmm. science and to explore science with your kids. It's it's just a natural uh, blessing of observing the beauty around you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I love what you're saying because I think I, I what I hear you saying is um, you know eventually we might get to some of those higher thinking science topics. And for me, what I found is by the time we got there, my kids could kind of take off on their own with it because uh, because we laid that foundation that I feel like you're talking about where we mm-hmm. started those conversations early on, seeing God in creation and talking about Him as we went through our days and as we notice things in nature, if we're out on a walk or we're at a park or they're just even in the backyard, you know, digging around and mm-hmm. um, just those just gentle, sweet, um, simple reminders of who created each and everything. And, and then, you know, looking at it with wonder and just like, and it really is amazing because every creature is so different, so uniquely made and and those, these are all things that we can talk about with our kids, and they're just on such a simple level, and yet I feel like there's depth in simplicity, you know, that we are helping our kids connect with God through nature and through science. And uh, 
I, I would love for you to share why you're so passionate about science. Um, again, it, it's watching the little light bulbs go off on their in their minds of truly mm-hmm. understanding. So when you, you know, we take a walk and you see um, pine cones on the ground and we see a stone or something, I'll say to my my children, you know, look, if, if we saw the word hello carved into that rock, um, do you think that that happened by itself or do you think someone mm-hmm. made that? And they'll, of course, say, mm-hmm. well, of course somebody made that. And then I'll ask them why. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, you know, yes, you know, you can have a tree crash into the rock or sand blasting, but it's not going to create the word hello, that meaning, that really complex shapes and forms. And, or, or when they're building Legos and, and you say, how many times would you think it takes for you to dump your Legos out of the box before the Legos will make the model for you? And they'll say, mm-hmm. of course not. Why? Well, because someone has to put them together. And that starts the conversation of um, when we see a, a deer walking across in the forest or we see a beautiful flower with five petals and beautiful colors and stripes, that's complex. That's like a, your Lego model in the sense that it needed someone to put them together. And so mm-hmm. there's a creator. That's what we mean when we talk about a creator. And that that gets me super excited. God made his creation and wants us to have that wonder. We want our kids to have that wonder. And it's something that sets us apart from the animals. We can look at a sunset and um, you'll look at the sunset and a lot of people will take their time away from the day and pause if there's a beautiful sunset. But do you notice that animals never pause in their day and observe the sunset? You know, that the squirrels don't stop putting away their acorns and mm-hmm. um it's it's some we have a beauty an understanding of beauty because we're made in the likeness of our creator. And so mm-hmm. humans are different. God has set us apart and made us to be makers like him, creators like mm-hmm. him, as mm-hmm. well as to appreciate the the beauty and the order and the organization. That gets me passionate. That gets me mm. excited. And I love when our kids say, you know, they'll look at the rainbow and they'll say, there's no way that could have happened all by itself. God, thank you, mm-hmm. God, for making that. That gets me passionate. Mm, I love that. And I love what you're what you were saying about how we're made in the image of God. The animals, they they work, even though sometimes it looks like they might be slightly emotional, they don't have the emotional intellect, the uh, you know, the intelligence. They don't have the uh, the ability that we do, like you said, to appreciate a sunset because we were made in the image of God. And mm-hmm. if our children are firmly rooted in that principle alone, that's mm-hmm. huge mm-hmm. because being made in the image of a creator and being the one to reflect, uh, being the, having the ability to be able to reflect so many of his characteristics is such a gift um, for us to have in I, I love the questions that you were asking also. Um, I I wish I had a list of those kinds of questions. <laughs> um, I don't know if you have a resource like that, but something where I think once you get the hang of it, you really do start to be able to come up with those questions on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, can you can you just kind of briefly relist some of those questions that you just mentioned? Oh, um, boy. <laughs> you, talk, you were talking about, okay, so you're yeah. out, you're looking at yeah. nature and, you know. Yeah, you yes. see, you yes, see a carving in a stone. Um, and, you, mm-hmm. and so you ask them, so you say, if, if there was the word hello carved in this stone, um, do you think it would, it was made by itself just from the wind mm-hmm. blowing and sand and trees crashing is it or did someone come and carve that and mm-hmm. obviously the answer and it's clear to children that that's obvious right. and so that's what that 
what those letters mean, those letters mean something. They're organized, organized markings. And so that's mm-hmm. considered complexity. That's order. And mm-hmm. whenever we see something organized, that means there was a creator who made that. So then you transition mm-hmm. to the dumping of the Legos. And how many times does mm-hmm. it take to dump those Legos out? You know, I always use, would use the example of how many times do I need to let the laundry in the dryer spin around that it will come out <laughs> folded? Because oh, wouldn't we love wouldn't that? Wouldn't that be great, oh. right? That's well, that organization from disorder. <laughs> but you can let that thing spin forever and it's not going right. to fold the clothes because that's an organized, an organized uh, ness mm. that requires a creator, an, um, a maker. Right. And, and so when we see the complexity of a flower, the complexity, the organization of, of how, how our planet moves around the sun or even just spins on its axis in a day and that regularity in the cycles, that's testimony that someone has made it. And so mm-hmm. those are the, those are the kinds of Love that. questions we can take them through. Um, and even mm-hmm. the intelligence thing, you know, it doesn't have to do with IQ. Being made in the image of God has nothing to do with IQ um, because there are some very smart animals out there. But I can mm-hmm. tell you, I've worked with dolphins who everybody says, well, dolphins are really smart and they save people. Honestly, they don't. I mean, they, they <laughs> do if it's, if it's good for them, but they, they don't understand compassion. They don't understand truth. They don't understand concepts that are biblical, that are, that are God-given concepts. I have seen them beat apart a fish for fun, not to eat it because they just mm. think it's something to play with. They used to pull our regulators out of our mouths to watch the bubbles come out because they thought that was fun, but you know, we needed that to breathe. So it, right. <laughs> they're, they're, they, they, um, they don't have the characteristics, the godly characteristics right. that God has imparted to them. They have some mm-hmm. IQ and can solve problems and mm-hmm. even can communicate, but that does mm-hmm. not separate. I mean, there's a moreness to right. humans and our kids need to understand that. We're not just one more step in um, right. in complexity from our an- the animals around us. So That's absolutely true. And unfortunately, the Disney movies would um, communicate something different than that. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> So, you know, as much as we love those movies, at the same time, they they do personify something and and sort of leave a, you know, just an impression that is actually not biblical. And so I think, you know, I don't think that it's a horrible thing to watch a Disney movie, but to be aware. And have the conversations. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Because it can be a great um, starting point for a conversation, um, just talking about those things. So I I love this so much. Um, So tell me, I'm sure moms are kind of wondering, like, how can I encourage my kids toward an interest in science? And I always think, is it really necessary to, to nudge them that direction or will they naturally be drawn to it at certain times? I mean, is there a balance there? Is there a, you know, is there a need to nudge or what What are your thoughts on that? I think naturally, like you had said, they are naturally inquisitive mm-hmm. and ask questions and explore. Um, you think about your three-year-old and their most common word is why, because mm-hmm. they, they're, they're wired to explore the world around them. Um, we mm-hmm. tend to drive that love out of them though, Mm. in science by creating tests and asking them to right. memorize vocabulary and or turn them away to when they're interested in something and say, well, we can't study that because we've got it. It's not in our lesson plans. We've got to go here instead. Um, right. I remember one time my daughter was, um, she was fascinated with bats as we were reading through a book. We got in a section of, to a section of bats and she asked a bunch of questions about them and wanted to learn more. And um, our, our curriculum though only touched, I mean, when I say curriculum, but what, what I planned on teaching um, only right. touched a little, a little bit about bats. And the the homeschool mom 
check off the box person of me was tempted to say, no, we can't study about bats because we need to move on or we won't finish this curriculum by the end of the year. I'm on a schedule. And thankfully I, I, I wrestled with it, but I didn't, didn't do that because I'm thinking you can't tell a child, no, you can't learn that. That I I wanted to just it was it's an educational rabbit trail, but it really isn't even a rabbit trail. It um so we said yeah let's do it. I set aside the book. We got videos. We explored bats. It was a super memorable time for me. And so it wasn't a rabbit trail. When kids start asking a question, we have the freedom as homeschoolers to say, let's find out. And so find out along with them. It's it's they they're asking a question because they're interested, and so now they're invested in finding the answer. Um, instead of saying, no, you can't study about bats because we're going to study about pollination or something. Um, your kids are going to be like, oh, okay, I've got to memorize this now. Let They ask questions. They're naturally interested. And and we can model those inquiry thoughts for them too. So as you're watching a rainbow after a storm, you could ask out loud, I wonder exactly how that rainbow is made and why we only see it for a short time. What do you think? And you know what makes a rainbow... Um, happen and why are just those colors in a rainbow? Why do you think there's just reds and orange, yellow, green, blue? Why aren't there, you know, chartreuse or something? And just model those questions. And then maybe later, if they don't take the bait, you know, you can say, hey, I was reading and I, I just discovered this is why. Isn't that fascinating? We're modeling for them a love of learning so that when we when they have a question, they can explore how to find that answers to that question. We want them to learn how to learn and to be self-directed learners. Like you said, with your older kids who would just kind of take it and go. So we can model for them how to show inquiry, how to ask questions, how to explore. We can take them on little, little tiny trips. When you're going on a walk, you know, send them out on a, um, a mini beast hunt. Send how many tiny little animals you can find, tiny beasts, and keep track of them. Or send them on a scavenger hunt and say, I want you to find four flowers while we're walking and three birds and two, and then talk about the animals that you found. Or um, maybe categorize things. Is this alive or not? What are the things that we, as we go for our walk, as, as we go someplace, what's something that's alive? What's something that's not alive? And then you can ask questions. Is it because it moves that makes it alive? Well, is you know, is this rock rolling down a hill alive? Just giving the, the opportunity to ask questions. Again, we don't have to know the answers. We can explore with them. And sometimes we don't get to the answer. We're like, wow, I don't know. Maybe that's something that's a mystery that God has left for us. Okay, Sherry, what I'd really like to know, and I think what the moms are wanting to know, is what is really important academically in these years when it comes to science? Okay, that's a good question. And I want you to understand I'm saying this as a science curriculum writer too, okay? You don't have to teach science in elementary school necessarily. In the elementary years, we really want to focus on the big three, reading, writing, and arithmetic, those three R's. The other subjects, and I'm speaking academically now, academically speaking, the other subjects like science and history are means for us to build our reading, writing, logic, thinking skills. So again, science falls into those other subjects, but because most children have a natural love for science things like animals, the outdoors, blowing things up, um, science topics are a great way to build the skills of writing or reading or spelling or logic. So making observations, illustrations, asking questions, reasoning through those processes are all natural ways to build your reading, writing, and arithmetic. So you say you've got a, children who, a child who's totally nuts about dinosaurs. 
then maybe they can come up with a, a creative writing story about a dinosaur and illustrate it as part of their writing. Or, um, you know, if you're doing art class, they can do an art painting of the solar system or something if they love space mm-hmm. or they want to blow things up. I mean, you have to get creative there because don't blow anything up in the house, but maybe you can do baking with them <laughs> because there's a lot of don't chemistry. Don't try this at home. That's right. There's a lot of chemistry in baking. So there's, right. there's they do have a natural love for science topics or animals. Some kids are totally animal mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. And so- they can, you know, pick an animal and talk about where is this animal from? You know, the geography. Is it a mm-hmm. wombat? Well, wombats are from Australia. Where's Australia? Let's look. They're way over here right. on this island. Um, right. So you can you can take the topic of science and pull it into um, your your three reading, writing, arithmetic. Read a book about mm-hmm. these things and their reading. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. how you would incorporate it without making it a separate subject that they have mm-hmm. to do more writing on and more reading on and more tests mm-hmm. for. Um, it's it's easy to pull in, particularly if your kids love it. And most kids don't realize what they're loving is science. It's just something they love. Right, so. right, right, exactly. Oh my goodness, you described our homeschooling to a T. <laughs> and this is what I talk about in the un- Unhurried Homeschooler and the four-hour school day is just... It's, it's kind of a stretch for some moms to hear me tell them, look, we didn't do formal science uh, or history curriculum in kindergarten to eighth grade. And I'm telling you, I really think it made all the difference in the world in terms of lifting this load. I, it just, I felt like it would have been too, every time I thought about it, it was just too much. And I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to go with this. I don't know anybody else who's doing it this way, but uh, you know, I'll just keep doing what we're doing. We're, this is what's working for our family. And I did find my kids continually interested in science-related things and history-related things. And but it was all happening in in such a way that it just almost didn't even feel like school, quote unquote, you know. <laughs> um, but all these connections were being made, and now that now they're adults, and I mean, they all have a, a love for and an interest in different aspects of science, different aspects of history, and I think so much of it came down to me not trying to force it um, during those years. And then when they got into high school, we changed things up a little bit, and we'll talk about that in the next podcast. But but I love that. I think it's so much less about mastery, and it's so much more about just experiences and exposing them to lots of different things as it works for your family and as they're interested and, you know, just doing it from where you live, wherever you are, you know, um, if you live in a place where there are some museums and some, or, or farms, or, I mean, I saw this great list of field trips for small towns, you know, mm-hmm. um, it was things like going, going out to a farm or going, you know, to an, uh, a lot of places will have like an apple orchard where you can go and, you know, pick apples and do, you know, hay rides and things like that. And just even those kinds of things are definitely, they definitely fall in that category, and uh, you know. But I love that during those years, it can just be such an enjoyable experience with our kids, and such a great way to connect them with with their maker. And I think that, of course, is our number one goal, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and you may have a kid that all yeah. they want to do is study science, but then you can have right. them read science stuff, have them yes, write about science exactly. stuff, and and it's exactly. it's the subject matter can change. But your goal is to build those thinking skills, those basic skills, those writing skills, so that they're prepared for when they're more able to take on bigger topics. Don't worry about gaps. Exactly. That's that's a big, you just don't right. have to worry about gaps. And we'll talk about that again yeah. in the next episode as well. 
Okay, that's that's wonderful. So um, what I'm picturing is, you know, uh, um, little boy has a in, an interest in dinosaurs. All of a sudden, he's kind of talking a lot about dinosaurs, and so we're going to pull out some books, maybe, and we're going to sit down and we're gonna maybe read aloud. Or if he can read, we'll ha- I'll have him read to me. Um, you know, maybe I'll ask him questions about what we just read, and and that's you know reading comprehension and narration. And then as they're getting older and they can write, I would have my kids write a summary about what they read or what we read together. And um, you know, it's just in it, it again. It's it's tying back to those three R's that we really are trying to be consistent at um, without being overwhelming, but we can tie in all these wonderful um, interests of theirs into that and and really lay a great foundation. Right, that um, builds engagement. Later on. Yes. Exactly. And, and it also gives them a wonderful, healthy connection um, in a couple of ways. They, they have the connection with us as we're having these conversations and um, reading these things together and talking, um, but then they get this wonderful, healthy uh, connection and relationship with learning. And that's really, really our goal. We want them to be lifelong learners. And so you kind of answered the next question is how important is it to have an elementary science curriculum? Um, I think we can skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say this, there are some of us that want something and yes, I would say, yes. you know, you don't have to have a curriculum, but I know how some, I know how I operated. I know how other homeschool, right. um, sometimes we're so overwhelmed that science tends to be one of the last things we do. We forget about it because we, you know, if you're a person Mm -hmm. who tends to feel like a need to check every box, you know, start on page one in September and finish at page 150 in April. Sometimes it's good to have a curriculum as a resource. You don't need Mm -hmm. one, Mm -hmm. but if you feel like having Mm -hmm. one would help, look for one that's more of a guide more and, and consider it as a guide. Don't consider it as I don't want to say the word taskmaster, but you know what I'm talking about, right. a, a pressure yes. of looking at that book and right. saying, we've only cracked it twice this year. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be there mm-hmm. for you because curricula, um, and again, I say this as a curriculum writer, a curriculum is a resource for you as teacher, as primary teacher to utilize. Educators mm-hmm. in the public and private school system do the same thing. They'll take a curriculum mm-hmm. and they'll use the pieces that they need for their class. So, um, you know, it's it's ready to be placed aside if life happens, if other subjects happen without guilt, but you mm-hmm. have it handy if you want something, if you don't know where to start or what to do. So that's right. the only time right. I would say there's, um, sometimes there's ways to do it where someone has gone through all the hard work and found, you know, the information or the way to say something, um, but don't mm-hmm. consider it mm-hmm. as something you've got to be stuck to. Right. You don't want to be a slave to it. No, of course not. Yeah. You, you want to, you, I always feel like uh, we need to look at curriculum that it's there to serve our family. It's We're not there to serve it. Absolutely. And so if we can kind of keep that priority, um, I think that makes such a difference. And so I hear what you're saying. Um, it, it sounds to me like what you're saying is an interest-led approach can be enough in the elementary years. Yes. Yes, it's an it's a natural okay. it's a natural way to add science naturally as you're going, having those conversations. Um, mm-hmm. Even in our world's fallen state, the world and our universe are a testimony to God's power, and we're doing our kids a disservice mm-hmm. if we don't help them see that. But again, don't right. worry if your fifth grader hasn't memorized the layers of the earth, or your son <laughs> or daughter doesn't know the periodic table of the elements. They'll get those in future grades, so mm-hmm. it's not right. a requirement. Right. Yeah. right. So do you have some resources that you can share that would take a more simple, unhurried approach to science? Um, yes. Um, there's, again, you've got your 
your library, you've got videos, you've got YouTube. I would say with YouTube, mm-hmm. definitely um, any videos that you use, make sure you're aware of the mm-hmm. worldview of who's making it and producing yes. it. Yes, um, There mm-hmm. are, I mean, I do think Apologia's elementary curricula is great. Um, it's designed to be done two days a week. They're written in a Charlotte mm-hmm. Mason format where you just open the book and start reading together. There's lots of hands-on activities. There's no mm-hmm. exams. Um, it, and yet, again, it's there's there's activities you can do. You don't have to, but they're just questions, and they're designed to be done just small bite, two days a week. Oh, I love that. But there's I other great that. resources. A, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just wondering what the title of that is, or oh, is there more than one? It's called the Exploring Creation with series, and they have, I believe, there's eight books. There's um, a okay. year, and each one is done in a year. So you've got human anatomy okay. and botany right. and all, all the different subject titles and choose based on what your kids are interested in, you know, if you've got, or what you're doing right. as a family. If you're, if you've got mm-hmm. a aquarium passes for the year, you might want to do the underwater creature one. Just, so things like that. It's, mm. But there's lots right. of other great resources. I think Masterbooks is a printing company that has a great science books you can gather as resources. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I my, my only caveat is checking the worldview of whatever you're getting. Um, if you do exploring and going, you know, looking at identifying trees or flowers or shells at the beach, you can get things called field guides. Um, you can check those mm-hmm. out from the library. Field guides identify things. So if you were identifying birds, okay. you might want to get the field guide of birds in the, you know, northeastern United States where you live that sure. way. So sure. those are also good sources to have. Wonderful. And so I jotted some of these down and we'll include... Um, links in the show notes. Um, don't you have a YouTube channel? I do. It's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of a free flowing YouTube channel because again, I don't want right. it to be my master, <laughs> but right. it started, right. it, it started during the, um, the pandemic shutdown when everybody was at mm-hmm. home and stuck with, um, nothing to do and, and no place to go. Right. To, and so we just did 30 days straight of fun science mm. activities and things. And so, yeah, it's Sherry Seligson. You can just find me on YouTube there um, okay. or my website. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, well, we'll include that in the show notes and we'll also um, include uh, ways for moms to connect with you as well. So thank you so much, Sherry, for being here today. This was just a wonderful, wonderful conversation. And I, and I feel like there are a lot of moms out there who are going to breathe a sigh of relief <laughs> after listening to this. So thank you for that. Yes, it was my pleasure. I enjoyed it. All right, we're going to close in a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you so much for, first of all, just for the gift of being able to homeschool our kids. Lord, what a beautiful freedom that many, many places don't have. We thank you for the access to so many different um, resources. Um, but at the same time, that that access to a lot of information can also be overwhelming. And so we ask that you would give us wisdom and discernment and that we would uh, bear in mind the things that we talked about today in terms of just uh, the natural, the naturalness that our, our kids um, have when it comes to wanting to know more about science-related things. So mm-hmm. help us to tune into that. Help us to not allow this to become a burden, but to to just have a joyful journey uh, when it comes to science and when it comes to our uh, overall homeschool journey. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.